This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. everyone i'm jack ward and this is the sonic society and my co-host and tortoise operator sounds like something of a concern Uh, patience please the tortoise is rather affected by the various feeds of the audioverse as you know patience isn't today's feature the patient files Uh, different kind of patience i'm afraid Uh, oh but wait yes that could help provide some stabilization in the ending of all months Let's set course for the anthology series The Patient Files with episode 2, Flex. Dr. Charles Talbot continues to organise the office. He reads the story of Jessica Hanning, whose dull routine life changes. Not all change is good, however, as Jessica discovers as her life quickly spirals out of control. And the horror begins right here on the Sonic Society. The Patient Files contains many themes of horror or psychological issues. This episode in particular is going to cover the feeling of isolation and depression. Um, Consider that a content warning. That being said, enjoy. Dr. Charles Talbot, recording for Clear Minds, Inc., Outpatient Therapy Division, Internal Records. Date, July 7th, 2022. Today, I rather think I'll take a break from my attempts of organizing the mess left behind by my predecessor, Dr. Olin. Yesterday was spent clearing the floor of notebooks and the like. I did my best to try and stack them in piles, according to content. I'm not sure how effective that may have been. Additionally, I was able to salvage boxes for my move to the city. My hope was to gather the loose papers and box them, at least for now. That was also slow going. Still no word from Dr. Olin on the password or possible tapes. He did warn me that it may take quite some time for him to respond to any attempts to contact him. Still, I hope for sooner rather than later. I'm still concerned about patient info being discarded so haphazardly. Notes on sessions are bad enough, and cross several professional boundaries. Take into account that addresses, phone numbers, and more have been seen. Well, I think I proved my point. I am starting to understand why Clearminds was all too eager to hear of his early retirement. Also, why it was requested that I record my entire process. To be clear, I am not without my sympathies, of course. From my understanding, the funding, if you could call it that, was abysmal. And to be frank, I would not have accepted this position if A. It was not temporary, and B. I was not being paid generously to do so. I can't imagine, after I get this place in order, that anyone would willingly take it over at least not with the same contract that was offered to Dr. Olin. I suppose the work he did makes some sort of sense. From Clear Mind's perspective, it is good PR. Offering free mental help with no returns? It's great to point at when they get... unwanted media attention. And yes, of course, aside from the business side of things... Providing care to those who otherwise wouldn't have it is a noble endeavor. Still, with what he was being paid, 
and these apartment prices. I, I seem to have rambled, right. <clears throat> anyway. Once again, I am pulling files from the box labeled CMX1088AE. As before, this folder is unlabeled. Hello? Is someone there? I'm sorry, but the office is currently closed at the moment. Uh, hello? Oh, no one's there. Where I heard someone. Just outside the office. It was likely the floor settling. The floor does look old and well-maintained. I suppose I should at least report this to building security. Right, I'll pick this up later. Well, that was a nightmare. The building has a scarce amount of security personnel. It took me ages to find the offices, which of course were not being manned. If it were the weekend, then I'd understand, but forget it. It's been sorted. Even if they seem less than interested in the whole matter. Just in case, I lock the office door behind me. Right. Where was I? Huh. That's strange. Did it fall? Yep. <sighs> I... I have seemed to misplace the file I was going to read. I remember setting it down exactly here... It's not hard to miss. A bright red folder. It doesn't appear to have fallen. Then again, perhaps it just got lost with the rest of the mess. It should be noted, I left the office unattended for... What? Christ! Did it really take me two hours to track down security? <sighs> I take full responsibility that the file was stolen, though I very much hope that it's lying around here somewhere. After all, without knowing its contents, I can't be sure. However, both my computer and Dr. Olin's laptop are closer to the door than the file would have been. I suppose I'll just document the next file. Alright, once again, I am pulling from the same box as already mentioned. And once again, the folder is unmarked. And once again, it seems to be a partial transcript of a session. Is that what's in this particular box? Parts of transcripts? One's Dr. Olin thought important enough to file separately. If there is a pattern here, only one way to know for sure. Right. Patient name... Jessica Hanning. Huh. Another last name beginning with H. Maybe that's something. Let's see. Ah, there we go. Transcript as follows. Yeah, that's not a problem. It's just... Before I tell you, this is free, right? I don't have any money. I don't really have anything anymore. Not really. You know what? It doesn't matter. Not like you could collect, and worst case, you what? Throw me in jail? In the crazy house? At least I'd have a bed. It's a food. Oh, God. You know what I miss? Pie. At this point, any flavor, really. My go-to back then? Apple. Hands down. Apple pie with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Didn't even have to be from a fancy bakery or anything. It's the little things, more than anything, you know? When you're on the streets, that is. That's where your mind wanders. It's not about how many rooms you have. It's not about the second car or a new TV. It's pie. It's having a place to hang your coat. It's having the option for privacy. <laughs> or at least the illusion of it, I guess. I may not have walls and doors anymore, but I can say this. 
I have never felt more unseen and unnoticed before in my entire life. That's all privacy is when you get down to it. Your own slice of solitude that you choose. Just melt away from the world, to drop the masks we all wear and be who you want, who you are. <laughs> Secret moments of nothing, cast into the void with no judgment. <laughs> so by those standards, I have so much privacy. So many moments that others do not see. Choose not to see. Oh, but judgment is still there. On rare moments when someone dares look at me longer than a second and allows themselves a passing thought, it is always one of judgment. <sighs> That's a benefit of being destitute and forgotten, I suppose. You never have to guess what others think of you. They'll tell you plenty enough, usually with their eyes. Never quite focused on you. Always past you, always beside you. They let you linger just in the corner, sure. But you aren't worth their attention. <laughs> and why would you be? To acknowledge you would acknowledge that they don't care. That they can just go home and feel safe as they complain about how stressful work is, all the while eating apple pie with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. There are other looks, of course. Looks of pity like you're a wounded animal in a glass cage. Their gaze burns through you, like a magnifying glass taken to an ant. It's the stares and the lack thereof, for me, really. Those soften the blow, the harsh words of those who actively embrace their disdain for misfortune. Get a job, that spit out with the same energy that they would give me if I somehow landed an interview. It makes the ever-so-occasional beatings from the drunk kids coming out of bars become but a whisper. Still, even with this suspended moment of rot that is my life, you can give me all the apple pie in the world to go back. And yes, there is a back. So often is that skirted over when talking about the homeless, that at one point we had homes— families, jobs, and boyfriend troubles, <laughs> the whole kit. Our lives, before, are treated like the prelude, the backdrop for how far we have fallen. And I guess that's fair. As fair as anyone else, I suppose. My backdrop? Very exciting, I assure you. I had a job. Not a bad job, but also not a fulfilling one shift manager at some retail store. Graduated high school as a B student. I flirted with college, sure. Even went on a date with it once. But like anything else, my underlying fear of commitment saw quick into that. I wonder how college is doing these days. I think I dodged a bullet there, if I'm honest. I hear they are an abusive partner. Still, my job provided me with a certain level of comfort. Not to brag, but I could afford the good chocolate milk, not that powdered stuff. I'm talking expiration date level. So I was doing quite well. I was one of the few people who didn't have a roommate. Single bedroom apartment, third floor out of three. That far above the city? Oh, of course I had the loveliest of views. From there, I could see the latter half of the John's Coin Laundry sign painted on the brick. Say what you want, but seeing oin laundry after a long day? Well, a girl couldn't ask for more. My personal life, you ask? Oh, it was booming. My best friends were Annie and about five different streaming services. Annie's friendship lasted for about as long as she was clocked in. Your standard work bestie. The highlight of your shift, but might as well be a ghost off the clock. No, that isn't right. You can feel the presence of a ghost even if you can't see it. Looking back, I have no idea how I wasn't more depressed. It's not like things have gotten any better, per se. I guess I'm just super resilient. <laughs> or really good at lying to myself. I was managing. Things didn't really kick off until 
mid-fall? Of course, I did not notice it right away. Like most things in life, it started with a storm. The perfect combination of factors to come together in just the right way to shake up your daily routine. And that's not me being metaphoric. I mean literally a massive storm. It announced itself with a thunderous clap. I nearly fell in the shower. By the time I got out, got dressed, and put on makeup, it was in full swing. Looking out my window, owing laundry was barely visible. Tiny splinters of gray covered the day in a blanket of dark. Pools of blackness on the pavement shone with each burst of light, followed by the roar of the sky. It was quite something. In a feeble attempt to combat nature, I equipped myself with my umbrella. Storm be damned. Work needed me. Who would stack the towels in aisle four? Tell Beatrice that she can't accept a return without a receipt. And Annie, oh, poor Annie, how would she cope? The wind plucked my protection from my hand no sooner than the complex door had been opened. Little did the storm know, I had a secret weapon. I pulled my coat over my head, and looking like a poorly done cosplay of a gray ghost, I ran to my car. Well, I say ran, but it was more of an awkward jog. A slightly faster than walk, really. I wasn't going to show that storm an inch. It wasn't going to defeat me. My car, on the other hand, absolute coward. Flat tire, and I mean flat. Down to the rim. All of the car's weight and the weight of the many fast food wrappers that called my car home came bearing down where that tire had failed. Cursing my frugal attempts to save money, which never seemed to work, by the way, I opened the trunk and glared at the cars under the carports. Twenty-five extra dollars a month, and that could be us, I whispered to my falling comrade-in-arms. Have you ever tried to change a tire in a storm? The kind of storm that seeing your hand in front of your face was only possible if you squinted and really focused? Well, have you ever tried it with rusted lug nuts? How about if you're a five-foot-three gal with noodles for arms, and a buck-twenty soaking wet? In this case, literally... No? Well, it doesn't work. After more time than I would like to admit, I gave up and went back inside. Another ten minutes later, and, well, I had work called off. They were distraught, of course, but I bravely told them to soldier on. My night was filled with my five best friends, and you guessed it, apple pie with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. (laughs) Somewhere in there I fell asleep. A surprise nap, I like to call them. I awoke. I can't remember the time, but I do remember it was late. The rain had slowed to a soft purr. Prying myself off the couch, I grabbed the now-licked-clean plate off the table and lazily made my way to the kitchen. That's when I spotted it. Well, smelled it first. Musty and damp. Then I saw... There were small black spots resting in the corner of my kitchen, right there on the ceiling. Flecks of fuzzy darkness against eggshell white. The mold. It must have been in the walls for some time and finally broke through the paint. Annoying? Sure. Potentially a health hazard? Absolutely. Needed my focus right in the moment? Nah. A problem for the morning, I'm sure I told myself. So, off to bed I went. A surprise day off was great and all, but I still had work the next morning. And boy, was I tired from a long day of, well, napping. So, I brushed my teeth, took a quick shower, crawled into bed and scrolled social media for a healthy amount of time. Two... Four hours max, and then I went to sleep. Morning arrives. Shower. Brush teeth. Get dressed. Make a balanced breakfast. 
coffee and a spoonful of ice cream. After much effort, I was able to change my tire. It was a little easier without a storm. My workday went as exciting as it normally does. Clock in, stock towels, remind Beatrice not to accept a return without a receipt, discuss whatever show I was binging at the time with Annie, go on break, get fast food, and thus give the other rappers some new roommates, clock back in, organize children's toys, remind Beatrice not to accept a return without a receipt, and listen to Annie talk about whatever show she was binging. Clock out, and then drive home. All in all, it was exciting. Cutting-edge stuff, really. Honestly, Doctor, I'm not sure I should have told you all that. Might have violated my NDA. (laughs) I got home, peeled off my work clothes and into my favorite-slash-only pajama pants, took in the relaxing view of owing laundry, and went to cook myself a gourmet dinner. I pulled out all the stops. Chicken nuggets, crinkle-cut fries, a nice honey-dipping mustard sauce, and, of course, paired with a fine bottle of chocolate milk. Perhaps a bit too fancy for a Wednesday, but, well, a gal has to treat herself. As I waited on my microwave to heat my nuggies to optimal eating temperature, that smell hit me again. Rising above the smell of chicken, that damp, musty scent hung, ever-present. My gaze drifted upwards. The mold. Well, spots clustered together in more numbers. Clearly, they had called in reinforcements. I took dinner in bed that evening. My shows would have to wait. After a bit of research, I knew the solution to my little mold problem. Bleach. I would pick some up the next day, after work, I told myself. So I cleaned up, and, of course, by that I mean added my plate to the growing collection in the sink, showered, brushed teeth, crawled into bed, checked social media for a reasonable time, and went to sleep. Morning arrives. Shower. Brush teeth. Get dressed. Make a balanced breakfast, coffee and a spoonful of ice cream. Drive to work. Clock in, stock towels, remind Beatrice not to accept a return without a receipt. You know what? I shouldn't go over this again. Gotta mind that NDA, am I right? Drive home, get into pajamas, enjoy the signage outside, make dinner, and... I totally forgot to pick up the bleach. Well, it was fine. It could wait. I mean, sure, the mold seemed somehow worse. But it was just a corner. No harm in it yet, right? Plus, I get paid Fridays. Surely I wouldn't forget. I think by now you get my routine, yeah? It rarely changed. Well, that's not true. Some nights, I'd use the oven for frozen pizza. (laughs) Friday came and went, and I absolutely forgot the bleach. It was fine, though. I had Saturdays and Sundays off. Surely those were the days for errands. Saturday arrived in perfect fall weather. Or at least, that's how I imagined it looking outside my window. On such a beautiful day, I would have been a fool to not enjoy it. It was only a day. Sunday. Sunday was the day to run errands. So I did the only sensible thing and enjoyed the lovely charms of autumn. Windows closed and streaming services on. Sunday arrives and, to be fair, I did actually get to the store. Provisions were running low. And, well, the apocalypse could hit any day. So, naturally, I stocked up on chicken nuggets and frozen pizzas. For emergencies, of course. And wouldn't you know it, I forgot the bleach. So out of character for me. Well, I wasn't going to drive back now, was I? I mean, I was already home, plus I would have to get gas, and it's not safe for a lady like myself to be at the gas station alone at night. No, not nowadays. Anything could happen. No, no, it would be better to play it safe. 
I would simply go Monday after work. So, Saturday arrives, and it had become a real problem by then. The specks of mold had claimed an entire corner now and began its descent down the wall. The damp and musty smell now permeated the entire apartment. I could procrastinate no longer. First thing I did was, well, wake up. But after that, I drove straight to the store and bought a full gallon of the stuff. I didn't get a spray bottle, but me and the resourceful girl I am emptied a Windex bottle, washed it out, and got to work. I wasn't sure how much to use, but, well, I figured I would show this intruder no quarter. An hour later, I emptied the entire gallon of bleach. I had achieved my victory, and all it cost me was ruining my only pajamas and my good towel. Did you know that depending on the mold, bleach is not the right move? It can actually make it worse and cause it to spread to places it wasn't before. Well, turns out the first search on the internet isn't always right. Now, this is where the story shifts, Doctor. Up until now, you may have thought this was a long way to cross the stage to tell you that I lost my home to mold. Frankly, I really wish that was the case. This is the part where I end up in a jacket with my own soft cell. Sunday arrives. It starts normal enough. Shower. Brush teeth. Get dressed. And go to make my go-to balanced breakfast. The smell of bleach still wrapped around my apartment. But the mold... The mold had returned, and this time with a vengeance. Let that sink in. In a matter of hours, not only had it come back, but it came back more than before. The entire corner and half of each connecting wall completely consumed. A shadow of fuzz among the white. Flecks of it fell onto the counters. Now, after a very calm reaction, and totally not a scream followed by a stunned panic, I started to suspect that maybe, just maybe, I would need some help. Retreating to my room, I retrieved my phone and called the complex's main office. It was Sunday, which of course meant they were closed. It was okay, though. That's what the emergency maintenance line was for, right? And this, well... Seemed like an emergency. I calmly, without cursing or calling anyone any rude names, explained my situation. Apparently, landlords have 30 days to deal with mold complaints. Did you know that? I didn't. And frankly, that seems like a long time, doesn't it? Either way, the guy I talked to kept insisting that's not how mold works. And if it had truly gotten that bad, I must have been ignoring it for months. Months? No, I ignored it for a week, thank you very much, I informed him. In result, he would be out Tuesday, at the earliest, and suggested that if it was too bad, I could go stay with a friend or a family member until then. Not having any family that lives in the area, I reached out to one of my best friends, Good old streaming service number three. Always reliable, that one. <laughs> Could always make me laugh. Monday came. Work went as normal as ever. With the exception that instead of me venting to Annie about my shows, I now vented about the mold I was experiencing. She listened patiently and remarked that if I needed anything, she was there for me. That, that actually meant a lot. I pride myself in my independence, but knowing I had someone in my corner meant the world to me. I mentioned how I was concerned about staying there even a single night longer, and that my health could be at risk. She said that sucked. After work, I drove home. Picked up a mask on the way. It was only a night. A single night. I could deal with it for... For a fortnight, 
Yes. The musk was palpable when I walked in. Even through my mask, I nearly tasted small particles in the air. My kitchen was covered in mold, and and when I say my kitchen, that is exactly what I mean. My fridge, the counters, my beloved microwave, fuzzy black. I would have to move. I knew it then. Either the landlord would kick me out, or by my own accord. I knew I could not live like this. Not anymore. Sure, I didn't exactly have what you would call money in my savings, or my so-called checkings, but, well, I could save the money. It might take a few weeks, but I could do it. I obviously did not eat that night. I tried to ignore the mold and sat with it at my back, and I watched streaming service number two. That guy always knew how to distract me. I remember exactly when it happened. I was right in the middle of an episode of... Wait, you're recording this, right? Can I say the name of the show, or is that against some copyright law or something? You know what? Actually, it doesn't matter what I was watching, because I never hit the pause button so hard in my life. Thud. A loud thud coming from behind me. In one quick motion, I both reached for the remote, paused it, and whipped my head backwards. I noticed two things. The second took me longer, I'll admit. First, I swear I saw the mold halt. Like I was just playing a game of green light with it, and it lost. It had been crawling, inching its way forward. I had one of those half walls between the kitchen and the living room. So my second observation was this heavy art piece lying on the carpet. The thing had always sat on that half wall since the day I bought it. Mainly because it's heavier than it looks and, well, it looks pretty heavy. I got up and walked closer, slowly inching my way forward at the same rate I had just caught the mold moving, which I then noticed was covering half of the half-wall. My mind struggled with the obvious conclusion. The mold had pushed it off the counter in its expanse, which I would have thought impossible, but there it was. Bending over, I inspected the mold, wearing out laughter. I had my trusty face mask, my impregnable armor. I don't know what I was expecting. I'll tell you what I wasn't expecting for it to move, were still to pulsate, ever so slightly, almost unnoticeable, but unmistakably, it slowly rose and fell in rhythm. It was breathing. With much bravery, I let out a battle cry, which a layman would mistake for a scream of terror. Making a tactical retreat, I withdrew to my bedroom and slammed the door behind me. I curled up in a defensible position and began my battle chant, which some may call sobbing. The sun rose. I hadn't slept. Throughout the night, long after my chants had lost all their sound, I was tormented by a different one. Breathing. Not of my own a slow and rhythmic breathing. It was quiet at first, growing in volume and strength until it felt as though an unseen mouth was pressed against my ear. And ever so often, ever so quiet, I would hear this rattling, a single word given shape. Jess, my own name being whispered back to me. Just a gal's luck to have mold and be haunted, am I right? Well, I snatched from my work uniform and ran out of my apartment, and not that kind of jog that's a little faster than a walk. I mean knocking things off walls type of running. 
I just wanted to get to work and have maintenance deal with the issue. Surely I would get a text or a call at some point during the day. Probably also an eviction notice. I arrived and changed in my car. My clothes were crumpled and hair was a mess. And worst of all, I committed the cardinal sin for all women in the workplace. I didn't have any makeup on. Which, of course, was immediately noticed by Beatrice. The words every woman wants to hear. You look tired, love. You sleeping okay? No, of course not, Beatrice. My home is being invaded by breathing mold that whispers my own name into my ears. I'm doing fine, how are you? I answered. Luckily, that was enough to have her spill her guts about how she is struggling now that the kids are in college. All day, no text, and no phone calls. Annie caught me crying in the break room. Immediately, she flocked to me. And immediately I let loose. Nearly had a breakdown. Okay. I had a breakdown. I told her everything. And, in typical Annie fashion, she waited and listened to me sympathetically until I finished. And, in typical Annie fashion, she offered up some sage advice. I've also had mold. I think most people get mold in their homes at some point. I can understand how frustrating it is to deal with by yourself. Getting rid of it can take a long time. Just don't spend all your time at home. Get some fresh air. Go for a walk in the park. Maybe hang out with a few friends. The last part didn't sound too bad, actually. I was still waiting on maintenance to call, and, well, my shift was nearly over. So, naturally, I asked if she wanted to grab dinner after work. And she agreed. Two weeks from that day. She apparently was busy with school and had family over for the holidays. I drove home. As soon as the car was in the parking lot, I called the office. Maintenance was busy, and my issue wouldn't be looked at until the next day. Thursday, at the latest. I choked down my tears and thanked her and hung up. And once again, I began my battle chant. I didn't go inside that night. I couldn't. Despite the cold, I slept in my car, and was late for work. My phone died throughout the night, and well, I didn't have a car charger. You know how I've mentioned how the store could barely manage without me? Well, <laughs> being twenty minutes late must have nearly caused the business to fail. I was strongly warned, and written up. I bought a car charger on the way home that day. I finally heard back Thursday at work. Via email, actually. They put it into more corporate-sounding words. But what it boiled down to was this. They scolded me for wasting their time and reported that no mold had been found on the premises. And calling maintenance without an actual cause was not okay. They were very busy. And should it happen again, I would face a fine. I was floored. No mold. None. Did they even enter my kitchen? Was the maintenance guy blind and had no sense of smell? Did they even have the right apartment? I left work. Told my boss I had an emergency and I didn't even wait for him to respond. I was going to drive home and take pictures and send an email with several dozen attachments if I had to. I wasn't making this up. I, I wasn't saying I had mold. For what? For, for attention. My anger and righteous fury melted as soon as I pulled into my parking spot. My heart sank and fear climbed up my throat. The walk up the stairs to my apartment seemed to take hours. I inserted the key, turned the handle and let the door creak open. That smell assaulted me again. My lights were off, for which I congratulated myself. I always forget to turn them off. 
Hmm. I reached for the light switch by the door. My hand recoiled when I grazed something fuzzy and damp. I fumbled for my phone and switched on the flashlight. I could barely keep it steady. The entire apartment was covered in it. Turns out, I did forget to turn off the light. It had formed over the fixtures and the lamps. Only a small spot where I stood and the door had yet to be claimed by it. I snapped a picture. Or tried to. My phone was kind of old and it struggled with taking pictures while the flashlight app was working. So I switched off that app and then snapped a picture. And then another and another, each time slowly making my way further inside. I wanted, I needed to capture all of it. My anger returned. I wanted them to see what they chose to ignore because it was easier for them. Not just maintenance, not just the office, but I wanted Annie to see, Beatrice to see, for Carl, my boss, to see what I have been dealing with. I rounded the corner, my anger steadying my hand, hardening my resolve, and entered my kitchen area. There sat, in the middle of the room, was a mass of mold, suspended from the ceiling by tendrils of the stuff and supported in the same fashion from the floor. It hung there in the shape of a human heart dim red glow pulsating with each beat. Jess! It called. I screamed. Dropped my phone and watched it as the dark shadows consumed it. I fell soon after. My hands and knees scraping the stuff away in a frantic search for it. Clawing and scratching. I needed that phone. It had all the pictures. All of the proof. Yes. The heart called out again. I watched as this dark stuff grew back as fast as I could wipe it away. Yes. Then I watched in horror as it grew back faster than I could get rid of it. It took my front door slamming for me to realize the mold had begun to work its way up my clothes and up my arms. With all the strength I could muster, I pulled myself free. I could feel it rip and tear and snap as I did. Screw my phone. Screw it if no one knows. I want it out. I ran to where the door should have been. Instead, I was met with thick vines of tangible darkness, weaving in a threshold like a nest or a spider's web door firmly plastered shut. Yes! It reached for me again. The mold pulled at my feet, clung to my legs and began dragging me down to what I have no idea. I should have been coming out of my neighbor's ceiling. Instead, I just felt it all around me, squeezing with each breath I took, making the next one near impossible to take. It reached my neck when it happened. A hidden strength I didn't know I had. The will to live, stronger than I ever felt. I wasn't going to die here. I pushed myself forward, like wading in tar that pulled back with each step I took, and each step harder to take than the last. Down the hall, around the corner, into the kitchen. Yes. The heart called louder than ever before. My ears felt as if they may rupture. I pushed past the heart, crossed the kitchen. Jess. That time I heard something in it. A fear. A recognition. 
It knew what I was about to do and fought back harder than ever. Across the tile, past the fridge, past the microwave, the stove. Summoning what I thought was the last of my strength, I pulled an arm free and then the other. I turned on the dials to my gas stove, one at a time. Yes! It commanded. No, not commanded. Begged. This renewed me. With a final effort, I dragged myself to the drunk drawer, opened it and retrieved a lighter. And then, I waited. It tried to claim me. And I let it, mostly. I sunk back down, just my nose and eyes peeked above the sea of darkness, trying to pull me under its current. Well, that and one arm. One arm raised high, with a lighter in hand. The last thing I remember was the frantic clicking of a stubborn lighter that just didn't want to flip to life. And then the relief when it finally did. <sighs> I awoke in the hospital a few days later. And as you can see, pretty badly burned. Scars that will never heal. The rest goes as you would expect. Lost my job, moved out of my car for a while before I couldn't pay for the insurance, and when that was taken from me eventually, and here I am. I'll forever carry the scars of what I did that night, and pay for my actions for the rest of my miserable life. But that's just it, Doctor. It's still a life. Well, <clears throat> that surely was something. It's clear Miss Hanning's story was more about her depression. The parallels are quite clear. Isolation and a dull routine can have very negative effects on some people. She mentioned mid-fall when this happened, which makes me wonder... How long ago was this? Dr. Olin didn't date these. No surprise there. He did attach some additional items to the file. A picture of a burned-down apartment. A report about how the fire started. Gas stove. And a lease with Jessica Hanning's signature. Last item is another picture. This one looks like a cell phone and an evidence bag. Can't quite make out the writing. There are flecks of black all over the bag, though. What does he gain from doing follow-up research like this? Hmm. I think that's enough files for the day. I know I need to get through these more than one at a time, but... Without knowing who are active patients and who aren't. It may be a waste of my effort. This office, on the other hand, needs to be presentable before it can reopen. This episode of The Patient Files was written, produced, and voiced by Christopher George. The Patient Files is a bi-weekly podcast, meaning an episode comes out every two weeks. Next episode will come out February 3rd. Stay safe and stay sane. And that's this week's show. Please check for show notes for the audio drama show at sonicsociety.org. Send us an email at sonicsociety at gmail.com or contact us through the Facebook groups or Twitter. I think we've had enough of the endings of the audioverse. Can we move off to something happier, maybe? I'm still getting an imbalance in the tortoise. We've tarried too long. I never expected the end of the audioverse to accelerate so quickly. Well, that's my fear as well. It begins so slowly, and then with, with an explosion of people, it makes sense. It, it might work the same in reverse. Can you get us out of here? 
I am trying. Uh, take care, folks. We may be in for a bumpy ride for David and myself. Until next time. Thank you.